Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 195 of Sorta Awesome. And for most of us, the month of May can get super busy, even as crazy busy as the holiday season. We don't want you to lose track of Sorta Awesome in all of your crazy busyness. So if you want to make sure you don't miss a thing, do make sure that you are following us over on Instagram. We always post new episodes over there. We find a way to work in some funny memes and some awesome thoughts over there. And of course, we have our Awesome of the Week thread every Friday on Instagram. So if you haven't already, please do come and find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. This is episode 195 and Awesomes. I know you are going to be as excited as I am about this week's guest. Lara Vanderkam is the author of several time management and productivity books, including Juliet's School of Possibilities, and Off the Clock. She is the host of the podcast Before Breakfast and the co-host with Sarah Hart Unger of the podcast Best of Both Worlds. She lives outside Philadelphia with her husband and four children, and you can find her blogging at lauravandercam.com. So Laura, welcome back to Sorta Awesome. Thank you for having me. You joined us back in April of 2016, so it's been a minute. <laughs> been a while, Yeah. <laughs> On that episode, you are here to tell us how to make mornings more awesome. You guys, that is such a fantastic, extra awesome episode. So much wisdom from Laura in that. Today, we are going to tackle the myth that we just don't have enough time. Now, Laura, I know this is something you've been talking about a lot lately with the release of your book, Juliet's School of Possibilities. I mean, that's really kind of the heart. Like, is this true? Do we really just not have enough time? Well, I don't believe that's true. Juliet's School of Possibilities is a little bit different. It's a time management novella. It's a fable about how we spend our time. And so it features a heroine, Riley, whose life is falling apart because she thinks she has no time for anything. And in the course of this book, she is challenged to revisit that idea. And what happens if she starts behaving as if she does have time for the things that are important to her without giving too much away? It can change your life. Yes. I think this book is so fantastic. I've loved many of your books, but I do enjoy a self-help kind of productivity, especially book. But I think this is a fantastic one. If you are sort of interested in these ideas of like, how could I be more efficient with my time or more productive, but you're not really one to sit down and read nonfiction. I think Juliet's School of Possibilities is so fun because you really did craft an engaging story and the underlying like layers of what's discovered by the characters it really reflects how powerful your research and your own discoveries about time and productivity and balance in life can be. So really well done. It's really fantastic. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we are going to dive in to this idea of what you did discover and what you are hoping to inspire women to really stop and think about and consider to make some pretty dramatic changes in life when it comes to priorities and time and all of that stuff. We are going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. 
But first, let's do go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. It's that moment in the show where we stop and tell you all about something that's just basically making life a little bit more awesome right now, whether it's books or TV shows, movies, music, products, whatever is making life a little bit more fun. So Laura, I can't wait to hear what you brought for the show. Yeah, well, a funny thing. I was on a hike with one of my kids' Cub Scout den a few weeks ago when the hike leader mentioned that there is this app that you can get on your phone that's called Seek. And what it does is it accesses your camera and then you can get the name of any plant. Wow. So you put the phone in front of, you know, some wild flower or some plant in the woods and it tells you what it is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm learning that dicots and monocots is kind of the genus, but then you get to the specifics, you know, and so it's good to see that something is wild mustard or ground ivy or poison ivy, which you may want to avoid, for instance. Yes. <laughs> so you can identify it with a wee bit more certainty than just looking for leaves of three exactly <laughs> somewhere on the edge of your trail. So I've been loving this. And, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of times there's a certain mindset about like, well, you know, our technology is completely separate from, say, going on a hike and the hike is like right. a good thing and our technology is keeping us from the broader <laughs> world. And I was like, well, in this case, I'm like learning about the world around me through this wonderful camera app called Seek. That's definitely making my life awesome. I finally know the names of some of the plants in my backyard that I've just sort of been calling like that red thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say that so often in my social media feed, I have friends who are like, hey, does anybody know what this is? And they post a picture like, can anybody tell me what this is? It's growing in my backyard. Or like you said, we found it on a hike. So then it's kind of people just sort of spitballing and guessing, or sometimes a real plant expert will chime in. But the fact that you can just point your phone at it and find out all that you need to know about that plant, that is really, truly an incredible intersection of nature and technology. Yeah, it's awesome. So I'm going on another camping trip shortly, and you can bet I'll be having my phone out and everything. I'll be that person <laughs> you know, walking around with my phone. It's like, I'm not on email. In fact, I am identifying that that is a red bud. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so the app is called Seek? Seek, yes. All right. Well, we will put a link to that in the show notes awesome so that you can also go check that out and solve your own gardening mysteries as well as those of your neighbors and friends too. So fun. My awesome of the week this week is a new Netflix docuseries called Street Food. Have you seen this? I have not. Wow, that sounds kind of cool. It's really great. And it's really nice because, you know, right now in our broader pop culture, Everyone is talking about Game of Thrones, which it's in its final season. So there's a lot of intensity and blood and death <laughs> going on there. Avengers Endgame just came out in theaters. So there's just like a lot of intensity in our entertainment right now. But if you are somebody who wants something a little more subtle, a little more heartwarming, you have to go check out this new series on Netflix called Street Food. It is really the intersection of food and culture. So I love to see people who are masters at what they do, especially with food. And I love to see how people around the world live. And so when you put those two things together, it's like kid in the candy store for me. I cannot resist it. <laughs> so street food comes from the creators of Chef's Table, which also is on Netflix, David Gelb and Brian McGinn. And they set the first season of street food actually in Asia. And they said that they learned from Netflix that the large portion of their chef's table audience actually came from Asia. So when they decided to do a sort of spinoff of chef's table, they were like, let's just go to Asia first. 
So they are in all different countries in Asia. They're in Vietnam and the Philippines and Japan, all over the place. And they're basically just finding these vendors who have little street food stalls on the streets of cities in their country and just kind of asking like, how did you get started with this? And then the stories that unfold from there are truly incredible. There's one street food vendor whose father's snail recipe became so popular that it helped her be able to put her son through college. I think the very first episode is from a vendor in Osaka, Japan named Toyo, and he just has the most incredible personality that's just so charming. I'm like, can I please get on a plane and go eat him? <laughs> well, you could go see him maybe. I mean, he's got a stall somewhere, so he's probably looking for customers. <laughs> So anyway, if you all, like me, loved Anthony Bourdain's work with No Reservations and Parts Unknown, this really fills in the gap that is left behind without his work because it's that same idea of getting to know a culture through food and not necessarily like through the fancy high dollar food. So I have been loving it. It is just so beautiful and heartwarming. Again, it's Netflix's new series, Street Food. So that's my awesome of the week. Those are our awesomes. We'll have links in the show notes for you guys. And as always, like I said, over on Instagram on Fridays, we always want to hear what's awesome in your life. We also do this in our sort of awesome hangout group every Friday. If you haven't joined us, we would love to have you in our awesome community over there. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. Awesomes, here we are in the beautiful month of May, and this is a friendly reminder that you've been meaning to grab some workout gear so that you can actually feel good and get excited about staying active to meet your fitness goals. And it's so easy to do with Fabletics. Fabletics is a fashion-focused activewear brand with a mission to empower women by making a healthy, active lifestyle accessible to everyone because of its exceptional price point. So whether this spring means training for a big run or find signing up for that Pilates class you've been meaning to get signed up for or heading out for hikes with your family, Fabletics has you covered and carries activewear suitable for any type of workout. Fabletics wants to show you some awesome love, so they're offering you two leggings for only $24. That's a $99 value when you sign up as a VIP. Just go to fabletics.com awesome to take advantage of this deal right now. That's two leggings, $24. There's free shipping on orders over $49. And you guys, their leggings are exactly what you need to get into the zone of being comfortable and cute, whether you're working out at home or working up a sweat at the gym. I love that they are so stretchy. They provide full coverage. They are not skimpy. So go sign up to be a VIP with Fabletics. You're going to get 50% off of regular pricing, instant access to their latest collections. There's no commitment to order on a regular basis. And again, you're going to get two leggings for $24 when you sign up as a VIP. It's fabletics.com awesome. Terms and conditions do apply. Awesomes, if you're anything like me, you have spent your whole life wearing bras that you cannot wait to get out of the minute you get home. Well, all of that changed for me when I found Third Love. Third Love knows that there is a perfect bra for every body. So they start you out with a fit finder quiz. All you do is answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit from home in about 60 seconds. It's actually really fun and you're going to learn some things about yourself, including your breast shape, which you've maybe never thought about before. 
the third love knows all the right questions to ask to help you find the perfect fit. And speaking of the perfect fit, there is a 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear, wash, and put that new bra to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And third love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. I am absolutely living in my seamless lounge bra from third love. It is by far the most comfortable bra I have ever owned. Third Love is all about that comfort and quality. They create bras with straps that don't slip and tagless labels, so no itching all day long. Again, like I said, Awesome's Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everybody. So right now, they're offering you 15% off of your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash awesome right now to find your perfect fitting bra. You're going to get 15% off of your first purchase at thirdlove.com slash awesome for 15% off today. Okay, Laura, I want to talk a little bit before we really dig in to the heart of your message, both with this new book and just kind of generally speaking. One of the things that I know that the awesomes really love about your work and that has appealed to so many around the globe is that you take a lot of research in the realm of time management and productivity and life balance, but you really center it on the experience of women, which is so refreshing because it feels like if you ever do dabble in or if you even deep dive into the world of time management and productivity, a lot of it is really male-centered, corporate world-centered, but you really took it in a different direction. I was wondering if you could kind of say more about how and when that direction started for your work. Yeah, well, I certainly hope that men will read me too. Definitely, definitely. It's always a question because I you know, don't want it to be like I'm time management only for women because I think that all men could find something the same way that in the past sort of male productivity writers have been out there as the thing for women to read too. So yes. I do think that it's not just for women. However, I do think that approaching this as a woman and not just that, but also as a mother of four children changes some of how you view your time. And men, of course, can view their time the same way too. Any man who does have interest in personal family relationships and responsibilities would find the exact same things. But for many years, that's been an angle of people's lives that's been somewhat ignored. Yeah. Looking back, I've always been interested in productivity. I was that girl in college who was sketching out the week and things like that. (laughs) But I really came to it for real when I became a parent for the first time about 12 years ago. And I noticed that a lot of the literature aimed at new moms that discusses time and particularly for mothers who plan to continue in their careers after having children, a lot of it's very negative. It talks about how you can't possibly do both. Like nobody can have it all. Like you'll fail at something miserably. Yes. (laughs) You may think it's going fine, but just you wait. It'll all fall apart. (laughs) Or, you know, if you somehow manage to work and raise your children, you'll never sleep. And if you somehow manage to sleep, well, you can forget doing anything else with your life. Have no time for friends or fun or your health or your spouse if you're still interested in that person, which why would you be? (laughs) I mean, all this stuff is just so negative. I'm reading this. I'm like, huh, wow. Yes. Who knew as I plunged into this? I mean, I was already pregnant, so it's too late for that now. But it struck me as being so negative. And so then when I did become a parent and life did not completely fall apart, and I found that I still was interested in all aspects of my life, and I found that I could find other people who were too. And I began to study how they were spending their time. And so over the course of the next 10 years, I began writing more about it, you know, and I've written several books on time management over that time. 
know, from my perspective of building my family and trying to build my writing and other things that I do at the same time as well. Yeah, that totally makes sense. A few weeks ago, my co-host Kelly and I were talking about the new book from Emily and Amelia Nagoski called Burnout, which really focuses on women and stress. And in some of their interviews, they talked about how they really experienced this felt need for women to be able to talk about stress because some of the stress, I mean, stress is universal in life, regardless of age or stage of life, for sure. But some of the stresses that women experience in our culture are unique to our experience. And so they really felt compelled to kind of draw in like most of the research is about men and stress. So what does it look like as women are trying to navigate this? I really feel like you do a great job. Like you said, of course, your work and the things that you've uncovered in your research definitely apply across the board. But I think so many women do appreciate somebody being like a voice in the desert saying like, your life is not over because you're trying to balance a lot of things. Yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned that whole stress angle, because I think a lot of the literature aimed at men, the idea is work is stressful, home is not. Right. Right. And that is the underlying assumption. So it's like, oh, well, you need more vacation or you need to you know, get home in the evening, or you need to have your weekends off from work. It's like, okay, and who's chasing the toddler around trying Uh to keep the toddler from sticking a fork in her eye, because that's actually stressful, too. In fact, I would tell you that, you know, it's getting better now as my kids get older. But I would definitely say that the weekends have had elements of stress that the work days just don't. Yes. Like, you know, I'm sitting at my desk, nobody's putting a fork in their eye. Like that is not on my radar screen of something that I need to worry about while I'm sitting at my desk. Yeah. But you know, if I'm chasing a toddler around on weekend, of course it is. And so women need to figure out different places then to get away from stress. If that is a stress that they are encountering on the home front, or if they are feeling stressed about housekeeping or something like that, then that doesn't disappear when you go home. Like you don't automatically get to relax. So you need to figure out other ways in terms of sharing the load or letting some of it go or saying, well, I'm actually going to carve out time. Like I'm going to take a long lunch break for myself. And that's how you make sure that you manage your stress. But, you know, it's just a different perspective. And I feel like, yeah, if you're approaching any question of stress from the idea of that, there's no family stress, (laughs) then you're missing an entire experience of life. Totally. I absolutely agree. And that is such a great insight. One thing that really stood out as I was reading Juliet's School of Possibilities is this idea of characters experiencing the feeling of not only not having enough time, but also feeling like they're always running behind. Like I had to stop when I got to that one particular sentence in the book and I was like, that's it. Because I often do feel like, oh my gosh, I just don't have enough time. We ask our friends, how are you doing? And everybody automatically says busy. I'm so busy, busy, busy. But for me, one of the most frustrating things is that I genuinely, not just in my work life, but also in our home life, feel like I am perpetually running behind. And I think that is such a universal experience. I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about why that's such a common reality. Why is it that when we ask our friends, how are you, that busy is like the first word that comes out of our mouths? Well, I really think there's two issues going on there. And one is that we sort of use busy interchangeably with fine, because on some level, we all have this idea in our heads that the busier you are, the more important you are. Yes. Like, look, the demand for my time is so high. Everybody wants a piece of me, both at work and at home. I'm so busy. I'd never say, you know, guess what, Laura, how are you doing this weekend? I am so important. 
I want you to know just how important. You wouldn't say that, right? But you'd be like, yeah, I'm so busy. Yeah. It's a nicer way of asking for validation. So I just don't say busy anymore. I say, I'm doing great. Yeah. Or say, oh, I'm doing this this weekend, which then you can actually make a conversation out of it because maybe the yeah. other person has done something like that. And then you have common ground, right? Or it's busy, like, great, we're both busy. We have no time for each other. Why are we even having this conversation? I know. I do feel a little weird saying busy because I don't want to convey the message like I'm so busy that basically I'm unavailable for, you know, friendship or connection or whatever. Yeah. It does bother me. But at the same time, it does, you know, sort of relate a real truth about my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I mean, yes, there may be a lot going on in anyone's life. And saying busy is one way to get at that. And this sense of being behind, which is a mismatch between expectations and reality. Yeah. And in Juliet's School of Possibilities, I talk about this idea of facing infinite expectations. And it's true. I mean, really, any of us could come up with more than enough to fill our time if we so desire to do that. But we don't have to. Right. That expectations are infinite, but time is also finite. So our mismatch match between those two things leads to this sense of being behind. But if you set your expectations differently or refuse to take things on as an expectation, then you can make the expectations and reality match a little bit better. And that can help with that sense of feeling behind. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you to kind of walk us through because I totally agree. Totally. Your book, again, it's interesting because it is a fiction book, but it's like so clarifying. And I really walked away being like, okay, I think I'm getting this, but I want you to walk us through what it is that is kind of at the heart of this. And let's start with talking about how we can clarify our priorities. And I really want to camp out here for a little bit because I was actually talking about the book with some friends and talking about this idea of priorities. And a friend kind of interrupted and was like, I think that most women don't even actually know what their priorities are. We spend so much time sort of like treading water and putting out fires that to be confronted with like, what is your priority here? It takes a little while to even really have clarity on what that is. What would you say are some beginning steps to even like identifying, isolating, what is my priority in this area? Yeah, it can definitely be challenging. Time keeps passing, whether you think about how you're spending it or not. And so taking some time to pull yourself outside of it and view the bigger picture and ask where you wish to direct your hours takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of discipline. So one thing you can do, the heroine of the book, Riley, is this crazed consultant whose job is on the line and her personal relationships have all fallen apart too. And when she goes to this weekend retreat at a mysterious place called Juliet's School of Possibilities and she meets this mentor figure, Juliet. And one of the things Juliet does with her in this kind of stormy scene on the beach is she has her picture future visions of her life. And one is a pretty atrocious vision, which may be the way things are going now. But in true Christmas Carol fashion, we get other <laughs> ideas too. <laughs> right. So she has her vision herself like 25 years in the future. And she is happy. She is satisfied. She's at a dinner being given in her honor where people are giving toasts to what she's done, mm -hmm. right? Like what her impact on the world has been. I think that's a useful exercise for all of us. You may not need to go 20 years in the future if you're not, you know, 25. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> Riley's in her 20s. That's why she's going 25 years in the future. But even just like, you know, 10 years from now, let's envision a dinner being given in my honor. People who are getting up and giving toasts about the amazing things I've done, the impact I've had on them, the impact I've had on the larger world. What would those people be saying? 
Yeah. And you could go ahead and write those toasts if you would like. You certainly don't have to show them to anyone, but it might be clarifying in terms of what you would like to see happen, both professionally Mm. and personally. I mean, because certainly it won't just be professional people. It'll be your friends and family would be there too, right? They'd be celebrating with you and they'd probably be up on stage as well talking about the wonderful things you've done. So you can think about that, write those toasts, and then kind of look at how you're spending your time and ask, am I spending any time? I guess that would be the first question. Right. In ways that are leading me to this future vision. If you are not, maybe we can start adding in some time. And it doesn't have to be huge to start off with. I think the people get discouraged sometimes and start throwing things out like, oh, I need to quit my job. Well, that's probably not actually the first thing you need to do. It may be tempting, but may not be the most realistic option. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that in two years, you won't be in a different job. Right. That may be entirely feasible, but you can start with other things first. And as you work up to knowing what it feels like to do things that are meaningful and enjoyable to you, then you can start looking at bigger picture stuff and asking how you can get there as well. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think that that is a very concrete way to kind of clarify what it is that we want ultimately. I mean, it takes a really big picture to be able to project into the future. What is it that I want to be able to reflect on back as I'm nearing the end of my life? What is it that I want to have been really foundational to how I lived life? So that makes a lot of sense. This was my process. I'll say it this way. As priorities begin to come to the surface for me, almost the very next step is encountering this tension between like what I would really isolate and say, this is a priority for me. And yet then there's these outward, like sort of external sources that are like, we want your priority to be this. (laughs) Whether it is in the work realm or the personal life realm, it seems like this could be a real friction point for a lot of women is like, okay, this is my priority. But then also here's this reality that there's so many expectations for me to spend my time doing this and this and this. Well, the first thing I would tell you to say is, are you sure? Oh, good. Because I think we can create all sorts of narratives for ourselves about what we believe other people expect from us. But I can tell you, everyone is in his or her own little world. Those expectations may be there, but they may not be there either. And one thing I see this all the time is just like email. I've responded to people in what I thought was sort of a uncomfortably long amount of time. Right. And gotten an email back from the person being like, thank you for your swift response. And I'm like, well, okay, clearly (laughs) we had a different idea of the expectation here. Right. I've done so many corporate workshops over the years, and I always enjoy when it appears that there's a complete mismatch between what a manager expects and what the employee has talked themselves into believing the manager expects. I mean, come on, like little things like, well, you know, we can only take a half hour for lunch here. And some of the managers be like, what? Like, is that in the handbook? I literally never said that. I literally <laughs> never said that. You know, I'd love for the two of you to go out and have lunch together, colleagues, and get to know each other better. Like, I'm not setting a timer on your desk. <laughs> right. Make sure that you're back in a certain amount of time or that, you know, if I send an email, it must be responded to instantly. Maybe this person is sending emails at 10 p.m. because they work what I call a split shift. Like your manager wants to go home, spend time with her family and then catch up on email at night. That doesn't mean she wants you to respond at 10 o'clock at night. Oh, right. There's all these sorts of things that are there. So it's important to question those family things too. You know, you could just stop doing certain things around the house and see what happens. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I have seen great stories of this too. One gentleman had been doing his laundry on the regular schedule and noticed that his 11-year-old son's contribution to the pile was quite light. So, you know, went to go find the dirty socks and underwear stuffed under the bed, assuming that was what it was. And there weren't because it turned out that the boy had not changed any of these items in several days. <laughs> Clearly, like prompt laundry service wasn't his top priority either. <laughs> right. right. You know, it's just, you can assume all sorts of stuff that many people do not even notice. So make sure that you are sure before you first even contemplate making your life uncomfortable or take time away from your personal priorities for things that other people don't care about. You know, I'm not saying even if it is something that they care about and it's in conflict with you, you don't automatically have to lose. That is such a very, very, very good point, especially asking that question, are you sure? It reminded me of a long ago time in our marriage and family life where my husband noticed that he would come home from work a little after five every day and I would be completely like stressed out, you know, like a crazy person. My hair is all crazy and I'm puffing and puffing and, you know, he'd be like, what is going on? And I had spent, you know, the past 30 to 45 minutes, both trying to get dinner on the table and pick up all the toys and clutter around the house. This was when I only had two children and they were little. And so we had a really good and very clarifying conversation where I realized that because of the family of origin that I grew up in, and I saw my mom doing this five o'clock, well, it was actually more like a four o'clock freak out to be ready for my dad to come home at five. And he had this expectation of dinner on the table, all of this stuff that I had just sort of like translated that over into our family and that my husband had this expectation. It was kind of that situation where he's like, I literally have never said this. (laughs) And so I had really taken on this expectation and believed it was for the best for our marriage and for our family life. And he was like, no, let that go. If dinner's not ready, it's fine. I'll come in. I'll help with dinner. The girls can pick up toys, you know, like all of these things. And it was a true moment of clarity. He was the one who initiated what's going on with this. Yeah. But the conversation that followed really was such a paradigm shift for me and really allowed so much more freedom and enjoyment then of our evening time together. So yeah, sometimes just really asking yourself, am I really sure that this is an expectation? First of all, could be a really great place to start. Once we kind of start to dig into those expectations, is there like a good guideline in determining which of these expectations are realistic and which are the ones that I really, at this point, even if it's an inward expectation, I need to be able to let go of? Yeah, we do have to be realistic about the amount of time that is in any given day. So there's that. The amount of energy level we'll have. Yeah. One question I always have people ask whenever they're thinking of taking on something that is going to happen in the future is ask yourself if you do it tomorrow. And the reason is that we have a better sense of what's going on in our lives now and how much energy we'll have for tomorrow Mm -hmm. in a way that we don't for, say, October. You know, October looks completely blank right now. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a fallacy because come October, it won't be. Oh, yeah. And then you'll be kicking yourself for taking stuff on that was fine. You know, the alternative was nothing. But of course, the alternative won't be nothing. So better to ask yourself, like, would I do this tomorrow? And hopefully, you know, it's something you can recognize something is like a major career opportunity. Like, sure, you'd cancel stuff, you'd call in various chits you have to make it work. If something was a really cool get together with friends, you might also say, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'd probably be tired tomorrow night. But this sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. I really should do it. Then you'd know that it's good. But if you're like, yeah, that actually, I don't want to do that at all. (laughs) Tomorrow, no way. Yeah, that should probably be your answer for the future as well. That makes so much sense. I cannot tell you how many times I have actually done exactly what you said, said 
yes to something that wasn't going to take place until the future because I thought, oh, you know, by then I'll be caught up on everything. And I'll be a totally <laughs> different person in November. <laughs> right. Like exactly. November me is going to be totally on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so crazy to say it out loud, but it's true. And then November rolls around and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I say yes to this thing? So that is a very good mistest for is this something I should continue on with or should I just, you know, release that opportunity, whatever it is. So, so, so smart. Okay, awesome. So here's a little peek behind the curtains for you. Right before I started recording this, I was taking my vitamins for the day. My vitamin routine always starts with my prenatals from Care Of. Care Of is a subscription service that makes it easy to get vitamins, protein powders, and more personalized just for you and delivered straight to your door. And Care Of knows that with the winter blues coming to an end, it's finally time to get back into a routine that empowers you to feel your healthiest. So Care Of is going to start you out with a fun online quiz that asks you about your diet diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle choices. It only takes about five minutes to find out your personal, scientifically backed recommendations for vitamins, protein powders, and more. It can be so overwhelming to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking, but Care of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest, and then they deliver daily vitamin and supplement packs along with protein and more all customized to your recommendations so you're only taking what you really need. I love that Care of makes sure you're getting vitamins and proteins from the best sources. They're backed by honest guidance and transparency. And because they're a little bit extra when it comes to taking good care of you, you can track your progress with the Care of app that lets you earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. So awesomes for 30% off of your first Care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter promo code awesome30. Again, that that's 30% off when you go to takecareof.com, enter promo code AWESOME30, A-W-E-S-O-M-E, the number three zero, and you're going to get 30% off at takecareof.com. Friends, if there's one thing that really helps my family to thrive, it's getting tons of really great high quality protein in our diet. That's why we are huge fans of ButcherBox. ButcherBox makes it easy to get high quality meat that you can trust. Every month, ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork, and wild Alaskan salmon directly to your door. The incredible quality of ButcherBox starts with the commitment to humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics or hormones. And also, like I said, it's delivered right to your door. So here's how it works. When you pick your box from ButcherBox, each box is going to come with 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual size meals. Their meat is frozen at the peak of freshness in individual vacuum sealed packs because ButcherBox believes in a healthier food system where everyone has access to meat the way nature intended. So you can cook with the peace of mind knowing you're feeding your family healthy, high quality meat that you can actually trust. My husband, who does most of the cooking around here, noticed the difference in quality of our meats from ButcherBox right away. And now those meats are the first thing he reaches for in the freezer. So for $20 off of your first order and two free pounds of wild Alaskan sockeye salmon, go to butcherbox.com slash sorta awesome or enter promo code sorta awesome. Again, it's $20 off of your first order, two free pounds of wild Alaskan sockeye salmon when you go to butcherbox.com slash sorta awesome or use promo code sorta awesome. So once we start to look at these things, and one thing I'm just going to, again, put in a plug for the book, one thing that I love about the book 
is that you actually have some worksheets in the back of Juliet School of Possibilities to help people walk through this in a very hands-on concrete way. But let's just kind of talk about what does it look like once you've thought about priorities, once you've navigated through expectations, what to keep, what to release, what does it look like to then to start putting together a day or a week or even a month that is really based in your priorities? Yeah, well, there's two things you can do. I mean, one is a good habit to get in of planning your weeks on Friday afternoons. People ask me for time management advice. I give them two things. One, I tell them to try tracking their time because, you know, many of the stories we're telling ourselves are ridiculous. Yeah. But then the second thing I say is just get in the habit of planning your weeks on Fridays. So on Friday afternoon, take a few minutes, look at the week ahead and say, well, what do I really want to do over the next week? And not just what do I have to do, but what are the things I would like to do, you know, as I'm aiming toward my long-term priorities and then figure out what those things are and where they could go. You can also take some time to look at what is currently on your calendar for the next week and start triaging it. You know, do I really want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Because, you know, on Friday for the next week, you could cancel stuff without looking like a horrible person. True. Yeah. Or figure out, you know, it would be more efficient to combine these things or look, I'm meeting with, you know, Joe and Nancy on Tuesday and hey, I'm meeting with Joe and Nancy on Thursday. Curious that. Wonder if Joe and Nancy and I can get through this stuff on Tuesday and not meet on Thursday. Like that might be a great idea. And so you can do those sorts of things if you're planning your week ahead. The other thing I would say is one of the exercises in the back of Juliet's School of Possibilities, and I struggle a little bit with this one because on some level I find it so silly. But on the other hand, I think that many people find it very helpful. So it's to ask yourself personally and professionally, if you were going to spend one more hour in the next week on a certain thing, what would it be? Mm-hmm. So one more hour in your professional life on a thing, what would it be? And then in your personal life, if I was going to spend one more hour in this next week on something, what would it be? And the good news is that it hones in very quickly on what that thing that you know is important that you're not getting to yeah, or that you feel you're underinvesting in in your life. And people often know this pretty well. They don't have to dither about this answer. Like they can tell you in the first, you know, 30 seconds, like, oh yeah, I want to do this. Or, you know, I've been saying I would do this for years. I don't know. (laughs) It's just so sad, right? Because it's like one hour. I mean, the reason I find it a somewhat troublesome question is because there is nobody who couldn't find one hour for these things. And so then it's a deeper question. Well, why aren't you doing it? And that gets into all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. that is harder to unpack. But at least if we identify it, if we say it, if we write it down in this workbook, if you're reading Juliet's School of Possibilities with a group, if you say it to somebody else, you know, then you at least have that out there. And I'm not saying you're going to do it. I hope you will do it. But at least, you know, yeah, and it becomes a little bit harder to make excuses for not doing it. I love that exercise. I mean, it really does absolutely brings to the surface really for most of us without even thinking about it, like, oh, I would do this thing. I mean, it's really clarifying because then you're like, okay, I guess actually my priority is in this. So it can kind of really come along and affirm these priorities that you've been trying to figure out. Is this what I want to spend my time doing? It sounds like a simple exercise, but it's really powerful, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. As we think about the long term, and I think this is especially a question that I'm asking because my personality, I can tend to get really into the excitement, the enthusiasm, the motivation at the beginning of clarifying some of these things. And then over time, I just get back to treading water. So I'm wondering if you have any tips or tricks for what does this look like? Because as you really emphasize in Juliet School of Possibilities, There's this idea that, you know, we are always choosing what we're going to do with our time. What kind of systems can we put in place so that this is something that we stay tuned into to make this a sustainable way to manage our time over the long haul? 
Yeah. The quote from Juliet is that expectations are infinite. Time is finite. You are always choosing. Choose well. Yes. She has this written all over her school. I actually got myself a bracelet made that says choose well. Oh, I love it. And it's a good reminder. You can put it as a screensaver, type it in on your phone to open it up. But we are always choosing how we spend our time. And I think if you keep that in mind, that it is a choice that can help to some degree. Now, as a practical matter, your inbox is still overflowing. You still have all this other stuff. Your kids need to get to karate or whatever else it is. And so I think this gets back to what we talked about in the last time, which is mornings. If you're going to do it, do it first. So whatever it is that you are not making space for, commit to doing it first. Mm. And then once you do it, it's done. And then the jumble of expectations that is the rest of your day is still there. You've just started that a tiny bit later. (laughs) It's still all there. Whereas if you don't do whatever your priority is first, the jumble of expectations will expand to cover that time too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. May as well get it done, get it over with. Maybe even carving out Monday morning for whatever it is that are your top priorities. So then it's done at the beginning of the week too. Yeah. And the upside of that is that maybe you'll get to it before the emergencies arise. Or if the emergencies arise on Monday, you could have time the rest of the week to reschedule it. But waiting till say Friday at the end of the day is pretty much a recipe for never getting there. Never. (laughs) I know from personal experience. (laughs) I love that. And I love that you really did talk about the fact that, listen, a lot of these expectations, they're still going to be there. They're not going anywhere. And truly, it makes the most sense realistically to accommodate for the fact that, yeah, like emergencies are going to come up both at work or in our personal lives, things are going to happen. So if you have that dedicated early time, whether it's early in the week or early in the day, you're at least setting yourself up for success a little bit in terms of having accomplished that thing first. That really makes a lot of sense. Before we close out of here and let you go, I would love to hear your perspective on this. You have written so many books. They are all individually filled with so much information that's really solid. It's not just like Pinterest mantras. (laughs) Although I have seen some of the stuff posted on Pinterest. Wow, there I am. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Cliched on Pinterest. No, no, I encourage it. Please, please highlight my books and make Pinterest posts out of them. Please do. I love that. (laughs) But the great thing is it doesn't just stop there. You have a wealth of resources, information, research that back up these conclusions that you've come to. You really have spanned a lot of different topics in this area. So for anybody who's listening, who is really brand new to your work, Of the books that you have written so far, where would you suggest somebody starts? Well, if they are a person who likes stories and likes their fiction, I definitely would start with Juliet's School of Possibilities because it is very different from all the others, but then it gets you into this idea of thinking about how you might manage your time and why time matters. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not really given to reading self-help type books, this would be a great place to start with Juliet's School of Possibilities. If you are cool with (laughs) self-help, you're a veteran of the self-help world, I would say my first time management book, 168 Hours, Mm. gives an overview of practical ways to think about your time in terms of a week instead of a day. There's 168 hours in a week versus 24 in a day. Yes. But really sort of thinking about time holistically and how there is space in a week for everything that matters to us, particularly when we do focus on what matters and give ourselves permission to spend a little bit less time and mental energy on the things that in the long run don't matter nearly as much. If you're more of a nonfiction sort, you might want to start with that. Awesome. Well, we will have links to those books for sure and some of Laura's other books in the show notes for you all. And you kind of mentioned this in passing, but 
you do have even a group discussion guide in the back of Juliet School of Possibilities because I do think this really lends itself to a book club, a book group, because it is fiction. So it's really accessible, I think. And then also there's a lot of practical application. And I think it would be such a great conversation starter amongst people in a book club together. And you've really built that right into the book, which is very handy. That's the idea. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in an organization, like if you have a team at work that you work closely with, that might be a good group to read it with as well, because that also can then serve as a good conversation starter for how your team might work more effectively. (laughs) And like, oh, wait, why do we have all these meetings? Let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, so smart. Okay. So I mentioned at the top of the show that you do blog regularly at lauravandercam.com. Where else can we find you on social media? Yeah. So I'm at lvandercam on Instagram and Twitter and Laura Vandercam author on Facebook. And, you know, if people have caught up completely on all the sort of awesome podcasts and they're like, I have to fill the time before the next episode comes out. I also have uh, two podcasts. One is called Best of Both Worlds that my friend Sarah Hart Unger and I host. And we talk about issues of career and family from the perspective of people who truly love both. And then I also have a short daily podcast called Before Breakfast. So every weekday morning, it's about five minutes of a really pump you up productivity tip, help you take your day from great to awesome. So if people want to check that out, I would appreciate it. So great. Laura, thank you so much for your time and coming back to Sort of Awesome. This has been so helpful and truly on a personal level has given me a lot to think about. So I so appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. You know, you can find me on social media at Sort of Awesome Meg. The show is over on Twitter at Sort of Awesome Pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sort of Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.